What's up, everybody? Great to see you guys. I want to welcome you to Liquid Church. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And before we dive in, we got to welcome uh, all of our campuses around New Jersey, Essex, Middlesex, Union, uh, Somerset. Give them a hand. We're glad you guys are with us for our fall series, I Am Jesus in His Own Words. Um, if you're wondering where we got the title from, I Am is one of the names that God calls himself in the Old Testament. It's actually in the book of Exodus chapter 3. Moses says, hey, what's your name? What, God, what should I call you? And the Lord replies this. It says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So I am is a biblical name. I am is an historical name. It is also a pretty epic name, right? Like, I mean, you know, God could have said, you know, I am dot, 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 you know, the Lord Almighty, uh, you know, uh, I am God all-powerful. But he simply says, I am, period, full stop, any questions, <laughs> right? I am the ultimate reference point of all reality. I am the source of creation. I am life itself. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am who I am. That's my name, Moses. Don't wear it out. <laughs> and what's interesting is that's what God said in the Old Testament. But if you flip over to the New Testament, fast forward thousands of years later, you will see Jesus say the exact same words. Seven times in seven different ways, he repeats these words. He says, I am the bread of life. Last week, Pastor Nathan took you to his kitchen, right? He talked about how only Jesus satisfies the deep spiritual hunger for God that we all have. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I am the light of the world. In other words, in a very dark world, I bring the light of my presence to guide and direct my people. But today, I want to talk to you about the third and the fourth statement of Jesus in John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Any shepherds here today? Anybody? Okay, maybe one in the back. You're sort of like a little bit uh, farmer. Uh, it's interesting. I know we live in New Jersey, but I actually had the chance last week to spend a day with a real life shepherd on a farm in New Jersey. It's not all concrete and quick checks, people. There are actually farms in New Jersey. And today, uh, you're going to actually get to meet and learn from a real-life shepherd. Because Jesus says, we're his sheep, he's our shepherd. And then he extends that by saying, I am the gate. In other words, I lead my sheep to safety. Whoever follows me, enters through the gate, will be saved and protected from the evil one. Now, before I take you on a tour of the farm, this is going to be fun. Uh, I want to open our Bibles. So would you open up your Bibles or in your program notes? We're in John chapter 10, where Jesus makes these statements, I am the good shepherd. He also says, I am the gate. And uh, John chapter 10, verse 1, I'll put the scripture on the side screen today. Here's what he says. He says, I tell you the truth. Anybody who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold or a sheep pen, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a what? Say that together, a thief and a robber. But the one who enters the gate is the what? Shepherd of the sheep. Okay, quick show of hands. Who here grew up on a farm? Anybody here grew up on a farm? Okay, one, and two, in the far back, I see you in your overalls, all right? That's awesome, man, okay? How, how many of you have seen a cow up close? All right, let's see if we get a little bit more. Okay, a pig, okay, a sheep, a goat, awesome. Uh, probably safe to say, right, most people in New Jersey didn't grow up in the country or in Texas, maybe you're familiar with ranches in the Midwest where farms are more common. 
But the Bible is filled with illustration of sheep and shepherds. In fact, in biblical times, this would have been a very familiar image to people. It's foreign to us, but they would have instantly conjured in their head because King David was a shepherd. Uh, The Lord was considered the shepherd over Israel, his people. And this was an agrarian culture, okay? It was the biblical idea of a shepherd was somebody who basically takes care of a flock. In this context, it's taking care of God's people. So Christians, we're, we're called the sheep of God's pasture. We're the flock under his care. In fact, this is interesting. The word shepherd is where we get the word pastor from in Latin. So pastor is someone who literally protects and feeds God's people. Now, if Jesus is our shepherd, what does that make you and me? We are the what? Sheep. Now, here's the deal. I want to illustrate this in a big way. And I'm, time out. Let's tell you what I originally had planned. I originally had plans to have a live sheep on stage today, okay? I'm a li- I know, I'm a little bitter about this. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm serious. Last week, I was like, I'm going to go out to the country, and I'm going to kidnap a sheep. We're going to hog tie the thing, put it in my Jeep, you know, in the back, and then bring that thing out here this morning. Who, who doesn't want to see live farm animals in church, right? Uh, and I, that was literally, I'm serious, I'm not joking. That was my plan. <laughs> and so uh, then all of a sudden, all the, you know, haters and the negators started chiming in. Uh, someone on our staff was like, oh, Pastor Tim, but what, you know, what if, what if he pees on the stage, you know? I'm like, dude, we rent the hotel. Ain't my problem, man. That's like, come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My wife, my wife said, honey, where, where are you going to keep it, you know, before Sunday, you know? I'm like, in our basement, duh. Uh, you know, the dog already sleeps down there. They can eat out of the same dish. She's like, honey, I don't want a farm animal in the house. I'm like, I'm bringing the Bible to life, baby. Help me. Come on, you know. So my wife, so my wife wouldn't have it either. So here is where we landed. Okay? Ta-da. I know, right? Like, wah, there you go. Okay, now look. Look, I tried, people. I tried, okay? <laughs> when we get in the broadcast cam- campus, I'm going to have camels on the stage for Christmas. I promise. I will get back to this. Anyway, this, this image of, of sheep and shepherds, kind of hard for us to grasp, right? We live in the suburbs and the cities for the most part in a metro area. But here's what's kind of cool. Um, God does provide, I think, through his people. And so one of our dream team volunteers at a Morris County campus, uh, he greets many of you on the morning. His name is Nelson. He's a friend of mine, Nelson. He lives out in Far Hills, New Jersey, in Horse Country. It's a couple of miles from Bedminster. And Nelson is a farmer. He actually oversees a beautiful, historic working farm where he raises cows and sheep. And uh, Nelson said, you know, Tim, you can learn a lot about Jesus from a sheep. So he invited uh, me to spend the day on the farm getting down and dirty with the sheep. He just said, please don't kidnap one. Here's what we learned. Hey, guys, I'm out here in New Jersey on a farm with my buddy Nelson. Nelson, you're a farmer. How old is this farm? Farm's been here about 100 years. 100 years? What kind of animals do you have? We have cattle, sheep, goats, chickens, and hogs. Awesome. I love bacon and eggs. We're in the right spot. You got sheep, though. Can we see them? We do. Plenty of them. Let's go over here. Sure. If I can make a this is the sheep pen. Come on in. All right. Cool. Got to remember to close the gate. Now, Nelson, I have to ask, are sheep fast? They can run. They are fast, but not as fast as any of their predators. So not fast enough. What are their natural predators? Here, it would be a fox or a coyote. A coyote, okay. We do have them here. Do you think they're faster than me? 
The sheep? Yeah, yeah, they're faster than a human. Let's see. So Nelson, I'm a city slicker, okay? Tell me a little bit about sheep. Raising them, what do they need to thrive? They need a person to take care of them. They need a shepherd with a, a wire fence so that they can't get out and so that they are protected. They're just out here in this pasture and it's my job just to make sure that they're all healthy and safe and that they grow. Now Nelson, how often do you feed the sheep? Well, the sheep are out in, in the pasture all the time, so they can go eat grass whenever they want to. We also have hay in the hay feeder here, okay. and they have that all the time as well. But these are weaned lambs, they're younger, and we're trying to make them to grow faster, so we feed them a sweet feed. I think they're here, it's dinner time? Yeah, should we feed them? Let's do it. Let's see what we got here. Munch it. Munch it. Here they come. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. Can we hear it for Nelson and thank him and all the folks on his farm helping the Bible to life? You're going to hear more from Nelson in a minute, but I was fascinated because he said, Tim, basically a shepherd's got two roles, right? The first is to protect the sheep, right? Protect the flock from, you know, foxes and wild coyotes and wild pastors. You got to protect them, you know. And the second is to feed the flock, right? You want them to grow. You want them to be healthy. You want them to mature. Now, with that in mind, I want to go back and read Jesus' words here in John chapter 10. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. We saw Nelson do that. And the sheep do what? They recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and then he leads them out. Now, this is interesting to me because I think a lot of times sheep get a bad rap, you know, like they're dumb creatures, you know, they're, they're not very intelligent animals. But did you know this? a sheep can actually memorize the frequency of the voice of his shepherd. You saw kind of how they responded to Nelson, right? They ran to him. Now, I understand he was feeding them, but believe me, they ran from me, okay? And Jesus says, okay, same way. I'm a shepherd and my sheep, my followers, they know my voice and that's how they follow me. And this is a picture, guys, of the kind of deep, close relationship that you and I are supposed to have with Christ, he, he wants to guide. He wants to protect us. But the question is, can you hear his voice? Are you listening to the right voice? That's a very challenge, isn't it? I mean, that's a big challenge. We live in a very noisy world, right? I mean, when was the last time you were like had total silence? For me, it was amazing being out in the country. I'm like, it's eerily quiet out here, you know, but it's very noisy in the city. Our culture is noisy. It is full of chattering voices telling you, you know, uh, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what, you know, and I'll take it a step further. I think some of us are addicted to noise, right? People say, why can't I hear God's voice? I think because a lot of times we just drown it out, right? I see people in the morning who they go to work and school, and the minute they step out, before they step out of the house, they put headphones on their ears, right? And then they come home, turn on television, and binge on Netflix, right? Or, uh, or they spend, you know, time, you know, just kind of browsing news feeds, you know, 24-7 for the latest update. We have all these voices, and if you just listen to our culture's voices, 
you will always feel restless inside. You will never have any peace. So let me ask you this question. Whose voice do you listen to on a daily basis? I mean, who, who is the primary voice that you're listening to? Because I think there's a lot of like cultural shepherds nowadays who are trying to lead us astray. For instance, if you listen to the voice of the news media, you watch a lot of news, okay? It is full of, you know, boasting politicians, uh, natural disasters, uh, you know, nuclear stuff, racial riots, North Korea, gas ties. You, if you listen to that voice, you will feel like every day the world is about to end, okay? If you listen to Hollywood, if you read like, you know, People Magazine, you know, all the supermarket checkout magazines, you know, like In Style Us, you listen to those voices, you will always feel fat. <laughs> you, you will always feel ugly. You will always be poor, right? That's what they tell you. You never measure up. The question is, whose voice do you listen to? Because if you listen to our culture's voice, you're always going to be chasing the latest trends rather than lasting truth. And I think that's why so many of us feel like this kind of general restlessness or distraction in our day-to-day -day life because we're, we're driven by these incessant voices. Did you catch this? Notice, Jesus does not drive his sheep. He says, he calls his own sheep by name. And what does he do? He leads them out. Notice a good shepherd doesn't drive them out. This is very interesting, something I learned about farm life. Check this out. Ranchers, if you have cows, if you have a herd of cows, do you know how you get them to move? You got to drive them from behind, okay? You actually got to provoke them. That's what ranchers do. They get behind the cows, they poke them, they prod them. Yeah, get going, get going, move it. Wouldn't this be awesome if this was live, right? Come on, get going, right? You didn't know what would happen, okay. And that's how you do it if you've got a herd of cows. But shepherds don't do that. Shepherds never drive their flock. Get going, you stupid idiot. Watch. They lead them from the front. This is actually a picture. The only effective shepherds are the ones who lead their flock because they have this herd mentality and they always follow the lead shepherd. Very different picture. It is a picture Jesus gives of drawing his followers gently and leading them saying, I'll go first. It is the opposite of a kind of harsh, heavy-handed, come on, do more, get going, you try harder. That's the voice of man-made religion. <laughs> it's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus calls his sheep by name, and he gently leads them. He says, let me take you. Come on, follow me. He goes first. And guys, this is a picture of God's tender love and his care for you. Jesus is not a hard-driving taskmaster. His voice is not loud and demanding it like our culture. Rather, the voice of Jesus or the, the Holy Spirit is a soft, calming whisper that doesn't stir up our soul, but actually quiets our fears. It settles our minds, instills our soul. So if you're a sheep, what's the number one job of your life? Listen for the good shepherd's voice. Look at verse four. Jesus says, after he's gathered his own flock, he walks how? Ahead of them. And they follow him because they what? They know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll actually run from him because they don't know his voice. Check this out. A true sheep can actually memorize the frequency of the true shepherd's voice. You want proof? You're like, I don't know. I came across a fascinating experiment. I want to show you a quick video of a shepherd. It's a farmer actually in Norway. He performed an experiment. 
He wanted to prove that a real sheep would recognize the real shepherd's voice, could actually distinguish it from the false voice of a stranger. And I want to show you this in, in this video experiment you're about to watch. You're going to see this flock of sheep in a pen, and three different people, three strangers, are going to attempt to call them to come. But watch, and you're going to see the sheep like completely ignore them. It's only at the end when the real shepherd, the true shepherd, calls them by name that they come running because they know his voice. Check this out. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they what? They follow me. What's the number one job for a follower of Christ? Learning to listen for the real shepherd's voice, for the voice of Christ, which is hard to do in our world because there are so many false voices clamoring for our attention. Look at verse seven. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were what? Thieves and robbers. So he's always repeating this idea of thieves versus the shepherds. But the true sheep didn't listen to them. See, the, Jesus' point is that if you're a follower of Christ, there are always gonna be two voices who are speaking to you at all times. On the one hand, you're gonna have the trustworthy, loving voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of Jesus. And on the other hand, you're going to have the voice of the thief. <laughs> that is Satan, the enemy. It's a false condemning voice. Jesus calls him a liar and a thief. So notice Jesus is always contrasting the voice of the shepherd with the voice of the thief. And there's always these two voices in your life. And it's like, how do you know the difference? You ever wonder that? Like you have this thought and you're like, is that from God? Or is that from, you know, the devil? Or is that like from me? Well, here's how you tell. For starters, right, you have a Bible, right? That is literally the word of God. The scripture is the number one way we listen to the voice of God. God speaks to us through his word. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God. So if you have like a thought or an impression in your head that you're like, I wonder if that's, you know, from God, but it contradicts scripture, that's the enemy. For instance, if you're like sitting there and you've had a breakup or something and you just have this thought, you know what? I, and, you, and you hear this thought, get revenge on her. <laughs> get even. 
this is not the voice of God, okay? This is the voice of the enemy. Jesus never says, go get her. Make her hurt the way she hurts you. Jesus says, no, no, no. I want you to forgive her. I want you to forgive her the way that I have forgiven you. If you're struggling in your, your marriage or your family, Jesus will never say, bail out. I want you to walk away, get going, just run. You don't deserve this. He'll whisper, I can give you the strength to make this better. If you struggle with destructive habits, addiction, let's say, this is where the enemy loves to harass and accuse Christians. I came across a man who's father of Christ, and he's in our church, and he's going through recovery. He's overcoming alcoholism. And he was coming up on three months of sobriety, actually. But then his old habits kind of pulled him back in. And one weekend, he goes out, has one beer, two beer, four beers, and all of a sudden, he gets drunk. He falls off the wagon, all right? And so I didn't see him. And I was like, dude, where you been? And he's just like, Tim, I'm so ashamed. I can't come to church anymore. I was like, why not? He goes, dude, because I'm, a, I'm garbage. That's what he said. I'm garbage. I'm trash. I'm a failure. I was like, whoa, 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 slow down. Where did you get that message? I'm garbage. He goes, that, that's the voice I hear in my head. Every time I fall back in, I hear, you're nothing. You're an addict. You'll never beat this. And I was like, bro, if you hear a voice condemning you, pouring on the shame and the guilt, that is not the voice of Jesus. That is the voice of the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So understand the voice of the thief in your life, you know it's him when it's full of fear. You're all alone. You're all alone in this. God's not with you. You will never survive this. The enemy's voice is full of shame. How could God ever love you? After what you did, if people knew the real you, they'd be disgusted. You're, you're, you, you don't make a mistake. You are a mistake. But I'm here to tell you that Christ doesn't make any mistakes. Amen? God made you in his image. He fashioned you after his daddy. You are made in the image of I am, and I am don't make no junk. Amen? So don't listen to the lies. Don't listen to the false voices of the, of the culture. Listen to the good shepherd. That, whenever you hear those, those accusations or you hear somebody condemning you, in Christ, there is no condemnation. On the cross, out of his great love and forgiveness, your shepherd took on all of your sin, all of your shame, and he paid for it with his life. So those lies have no more power over you. You are now free. You are free to follow God, the good shepherd. Listen to his voice. Follow it. Trust him. Let him lead you. Trust him, especially when you, when, you, when you fall into sin or feel guilty. So many people, like, you know, if they fall into sin or get, you know, crazy on the weekend, they're like, you know, oh, I can't go to church. They, when they fall, they run away from God. Scripture says the exact opposite. It's when you fall that you run straight towards him because he's waiting to welcome you home, the one lost sheep. See, here's the secret. This is, this is, this is the one that <laughs> some of you need to grasp this. If you put this in your heart, I want you so badly to get this. This is how you tell the difference between the voice of the good shepherd, Jesus, and the voice of your enemy. Here it is. Ready? The enemy, he knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. You're an addict. You're broken. You're a failure. You're a screw up. Whereas Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. That is Todd. That is Phyllis, my son, my daughter. Give the Lord a praise, people. He says, you're my beloved child. I don't make no joke. You are valuable to me. 
Even in your brokenness, you have tremendous worth. Jesus said, I call my sheep by name. I don't give labels to my kids. I forgive them. And if you've trusted Jesus, understand sin is not the truest thing about you. Your, your sin, your, your, your struggle, your failures, you're not defined by what you did, but by what Jesus did for you. So understand, the enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. Whereas Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. And he leads you out, out of addiction, out of despair, out of anger, out of hopelessness. And he gives you rest. You know, I asked Nelson, I said, because the sheep are very restless and they're very skittish. They're easily scared. I said, Nelson, what makes a sheep who's restless feel safe and secure? Here's what he said. Nelson, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and no man can snatch them out of my hand. What's that mean to a shepherd? You're holding this guy. <laughs> well, I'm holding him very securely and he feels very safe. In fact, he kind of submits when I hold him firmly. I see that. And, that, and that's good for a sheep. They like to be held firmly, but also if a predator is holding them, they also give up and that's not good. So they don't have a lot of strength themselves, but they feel secure when the shepherd holds them. Right, they feel secure when they're held safe, yes. Nelson, most of us live in the city in the suburbs and you've been farming your whole life. Sheep are a valuable commodity. Jesus talks about, you know, the lost coin, the lost boy, and the lost sheep. Tell us about the value of a sheep. What a, what a lamb is to a shepherd is this. A lamb is born small, vulnerable, not able to take care of himself, and will not be able to grow up without his care. A lamb itself has very little value, but it has a lot of potential value if he can raise it to maturity. So to lose even one is a sad thing for a shepherd because it, it, he does his best mm -hmm. to take care of them all and not to lose any. I think we understand the connection. Jesus cares and he protects us. He nurtures us with the purpose of growing us to maturity. It's the most vulnerable who need the most protection. There's the saying, if 99 people jump off a cliff, will you jump you over it? it? Yeah. When we all say, no, that's stupid. Right. For a sheep, yes, they, <laughs> they have to. Really? They have to follow the group no matter what. In fact, if one jumps over a cliff, the 99 might follow. Is that right? It's a sheep thing. <laughs> it's a sheep thing. This is a picture of a shepherd taking care of his flock. Nelson's moving them into the sheep pen. And notice they travel, they stay together in a flock. The ones that are most rumble stay at the center, but they all get herded together. And it's a picture of protection. A shepherd keeping care of his flock. The Bible says that at the moment that you are saved, that you actually become part of, of the flock, God's family, the Holy Spirit comes into you and fills you. And the Spirit, the, the Spirit of Jesus, speaks to you, settles you, strengthens you when you feel weak, and gives you direction, divine direction when you need it. Colleen and I needed that this summer. We were facing a family situation, something with our kids. I won't go into all the details, but it wasn't clear which way we were supposed to go. There's like a few different options, right? And honestly, it was a little bit unclear at first. It was confusing. In fact, it was overwhelming. <laughs> and so like good parents, right? We read, we researched, we talked to people. But instead of just, you know, freaking out and just reading more online, more voices, 
the most important thing we did was to sit down and pray and say, Lord, lead us. Because, because here's the thing. We know we can trust the Spirit to guide us. You know why? Because this is hard for me to get my head around. Jesus loves my kids more than I do. He knows exactly what they need to flourish. I can only see what's in front of us. And so we kind of put a fleece before him and we prayed, you know, Lord, show us which way to go. And he did. The Holy Spirit spoke very clearly to us, not like an audible voice, but through reading God's word from listening in prayer, different doors closing, we received very clear direction. And you ask Colleen, we feel totally at peace about it. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the gift Christ wants to give some of you. The Holy Spirit doesn't just protect us. He says, I can guide you in life and show you. I'll lead you to good pastures. And this is the thing, guys. I can't imagine, honestly, navigating life on my own. Like my own good ideas, my own instincts without leading in the Holy Spirit. Amazing things happen when you follow Jesus through the gate that's into God's kingdom and you trust the shepherd. You come and go freely. Life opens up. You find good pasture. Unlike the thief who wants to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus says, I want to lead you into a rich and satisfying life and surround you with my personal care and protection. Some of you know the joy of that, don't you? I mean, not, think of positive examples. Some of you know how satisfying it is when you know you're doing exactly what God wants you to do, when you hear Jesus speaking and leading you. If you're wondering, how do I know it's Jesus leading? It's generally when he prompts you to do something that you normally wouldn't choose to do on your own in your flesh. For example, uh, last month I heard from a church in our couple who are divorcing. They're actually going through the proceedings. And in the middle of the I Am series, uh, the husband had this light bulb moment where the spirit of God came on him and revealed the impact it was having on his kids. And he said, I have to reconcile. We have to reconcile. Literally, he was, did a 180 turn and said, I have to reconcile with my wife. That's not the enemy. That's the spirit speaking, amen? Why? Because the thief will never say, reconcile. <laughs> the thief says, stay bitter. Hold a grudge. Make them pay. Get revenge. The shepherd says, forgive. As I've forgiven you, let it go. I want to set you free and lead you in a rich and satisfying life. I spoke with a woman who was abused as a child, abandoned by her father years ago. She's like, I just feel this overwhelming desire to forgive him for that crime. That's Jesus speaking, not just in, in, in her head, but in her heart. Let it go. I can heal you. I can redeem your past. That's the shepherd speaking. Because Jesus' voice is never heavy-handed. He never screams or yells. He never uses fear or false guilt to motivate you. He'll tell you to do things even that require great faith. I saw this on Wednesday. This is fascinating. So one of the, uh, the members of my small group uh, I heard uh, was going in for surgery. And I was like, why? Nothing's wrong with him. I didn't hear anything about this. And his wife explained, well, there was a colleague of his at work who's pretty sick, actually going through kidney failure. And so my friend felt like God prompted him to donate one of his kidneys to save his coworker. And so I'm, I called him on the phone. And I'm talking with him. He's like, Tim, I just felt, I was like, you sure? He's like, I feel like God has given me this opportunity. I just feel this prompting. We're a match and everything. I can sac- give up one of my kidneys and I can save his life. 
And I was just dumbstruck. Like, who does that for a coworker, right? Like, for a family member, maybe. But this incredibly selfless act of love, that's another way you know it's the voice of Jesus, not the enemy. See, when you trust Jesus, you open your hands and, and he reveals these incredible ways for you to generously sacrifice for others. So can I just encourage you today? If you're at a crossroads or you're facing a situation in your life where you, you, you're, you're, you feel like the voice of the shepherd's calling your name, don't ignore him. Obey him. Trust him. Trust Jesus. Trust the Holy Spirit. If he's leading you to do something, even if it's scary or intimidating, trust him. Remember, the good shepherd goes before you. He leads you out. And the safest place to be is in the center of his will. Amen? I understand some of you are skeptical. I know some of you are like, like I don't know, Tim. I'm, I'm not sure I can trust God like that. Why should I follow him? Jesus gives you the answer in verse 11. I want to end with this. This is so cool. He says, okay, I am the good shepherd. Here's how you know. The good shepherd does what? Say it together. Lays down his life for the sheep. I want you to underline that phrase. I want you to circle that phrase because Jesus is about to say that phrase four times in a row. And when Jesus repeats something, it's for emphasis, okay? He's gonna say, I lay down my life. I lay down. Watch this. He says this. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf does what? Attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So Jesus is like, here's how you tell the difference between the good shepherd and the bad shepherd. When the wolf attacks, when there's a coyote in the pen, the bad shepherd does what? Oh, he's like, I'm gone. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this man. I'm just here for the money. He doesn't care about the sheep. A bad shepherd cares about one thing, profit. But Jesus cares about people. Big difference. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And what do I do? I lay down my life for the sheep. Here it all comes. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again, resurrection. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Final fact, gonna blow your mind. In Bible times, there were two kinds of sheep pens. If you had a sheep pen in the town or in the village, it typically had a locking gate that looks like this, like a swinging gate, right? So at night, you'd put your sheep in the pen, you'd close the gate, click, lock it behind you. But if you were a shepherd out in the country, sheep pens did not have a gate like this. Instead, they were made out of stone walls with a gap in the middle. You see how there's an empty opening there? There's no gate. And there's a reason for that. During the gate, shepherds would lead their flock from pasture to pasture, wherever you know the green grass was best. But at night, if you're out in the countryside, you would lock your sheep. You'd lead, well, I should say, you lead your sheep into a sheep pen that looks like this. Let me put it up here behind me. You see how there's a stone wall on one side? There's a stone wall on the other. And after you said, hey, ticket, 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 whatever it is they say, they come on in there, right? 
you would count them. Count them one, two, three, four. You make sure you didn't want to lose one. And you would count them by, and you'd know them by name. You'd know exactly what you had. And what I started with ends up in the pen. And you'd keep talking to the sheep to soothe them with your voice. And that shepherd in Bible times, then he would take his cloak that he'd been wearing all day and wrap it around like a blanket. And in between this gap, between this wall and that wall, he would then lay down. He'd lay down. And that shepherd became the gate. And it was his way of saying, you want at one of my sheep? You're going to have to go through me. You want to attack my flock over my dead body? And this is what everyone in Jesus' day would have pictured. A shepherd laying down his life in between the two sheep gates. Guys, this is a picture of what Christ has done for you. This is a picture of what Christ has done. He said, over my dead body, go ahead and do it. And he became the gate to salvation. He says, my sheep know my voice. I have opened the way to salvation. Come on in. An enemy, you can go this far, but no farther. I have ransomed you with my life. I have paid for your salvation, and I am with you always. This is why Jesus is the good shepherd. This is why when John sees him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes away your sin. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what somebody's done to you, Christ loved you and Jesus sacrificed his life for you. He says, that's why you trust me. I laid down my life for the sheep. The reason the father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. I've got power over death and Satan and sin. Nobody takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Amen? Jesus voluntarily died so that you and I can have life to the full. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that not beautiful? Do you see what he meant when he said, I am, I am, I'm God, I am the good shepherd. He's saying, I'm the God who sacrificed to save you. You're forgiven. You've been accepted. You are part of my flock and no one can snatch you out of my hand. I and the father are one. So listen to my voice and follow me, trust me. Friends, I am certain the Holy Spirit's speaking to somebody here today. I believe it. I, you, maybe you have been in a situation where you have felt like you're all alone. And Christ wanted to say, you have never been alone. Maybe this week you have struggled with condemning thoughts. You're an addict. You're a loser. You're a failure. Maybe the enemy's been taunting you with lies and whispers. And today, I think the Holy Spirit wants to say, the gate is open for you. Come on in. And the shepherd, watch this, the shepherd's calling you by name. He's not calling you by your sin. He's calling you by name. Jane, Colleen, the gate's open today and the shepherd's calling your name. And so it doesn't matter if you're here and you're like, man, I can't believe I'm in church. I feel broken. I'm messed up. I feel weak or worthless. Doesn't matter. Gate's open. <laughs> Jesus said this way, everybody's invited to join the flock, the family of God. Amen? The gate's open. And the question is, are you saved? Can you point to this moment when you have personally asked Jesus, I want you to be my good shepherd. I trust you with my life. I want to follow you with my whole life. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you're saved. You put your faith in Christ and realize, I got to go through Jesus. On the cross, 
Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled to your heavenly father. And today, I think for some of you who's been coming for a while, this is a day that gate's open to you. And the shepherd's calling you by name. He knows your situation, so come home. Trust the shepherd. Take Jesus and make him your Lord and your Savior today. If you haven't done that, I want to give you a chance to do that today. I want to like have a real personal response. We're going to take a moment just to, to pray, and I'm going to invite all of our campuses to do that. So would you bow your heads with me? We're going to close in prayer, and this is a time for you to talk to the shepherd. I've been telling you about the shepherd, but I want you to talk to him. Let me begin. Father, I thank you for your word. It leads us into truth, and the truth is Jesus. The truth is Jesus will save and welcome any man, woman, or child who calls on his name. And so, Holy Spirit, come right now. I know you're drawing men and women to Jesus because we've lifted him up, and you have promised to draw anybody who's lost or confused or struggling Welcome them into your family. Holy Spirit, will you just kind of fill them with faith right now as they pray to make Jesus their Savior? Again, we're praying, all our heads are bowed. But if you're here today and you haven't done that, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of salvation. It's a simple prayer. I'm going to pray, and then you can simply pray out loud after me. Okay, so I'll, I'll say the words, and if it's in your heart... I want you to say them after me. In fact, let's all pray together as one church so that nobody feels left out. Ready, church? Let's pray these words. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the good shepherd. I believe you laid down your life for me. Forgive my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Today I trust you as my Savior. Help me listen to your voice, to hear you and follow you as best I can. In Jesus' name, amen. If this is your first time praying that prayer, the Bible says that's simple faith and that you've been born again into the family of God. And so we just want to welcome new believers. Would you welcome them at all of our campuses? We're thrilled to have you part of God's global family. It's called the church. And we have a new believers kit we want to give you at the very end of this service when we dismiss in a few minutes. But before we do that, we like to close with a song just celebrating Jesus. So let's stand together, all our campuses, and this is our closing worship response. <laughs>